0: you're writing the script of your life. And if you're not writing the script of your life, somebody else is. So it's very important that you take charge of of your story, uh, of your life. And this is a chapter in it.
1: Hey everyone, my name is Jack Kavanagh and you are very welcome to the Only Human Podcast. Today I am delighted to welcome John Dorn to the Only Human podcast. John is a guidance counsellor, teacher, author, possibilitarian, board member of the Make-A-Wish Foundation, TEDx speaker, as well as being an international speaker. He's a guidance counsellor with over 25 years experience and is passionate about the transformative power of education to disrupt poverty and to help young people do all they can with what they have, in the time that they've got, and in the space that they're in. He speaks to management bodies, businesses, education trusts, teachers, all on the areas of resilience, emotional intelligence, well-being in the workplace, stress management, and maximizing performance. He's passionate about preparing people, not only for their life during school, but far beyond. He's a remarkable human being, and I'm delighted have him on the podcast today. John, you are very welcome to the Only Human podcast. How are you?
0: I'm doing terrific. I'm fantastic, Jack, and more so to be talking to you on a day where there's no rain. I'm looking out the window at rolling fields. Unfortunately, I'm looking also at roads that have no traffic on them, but um, it's good to join you here this morning.
1: Yeah, and I'm delighted that you're, that you're here. I, look, we've known each other distantly, although we've met a couple of times for a couple of years, but I very much feel that, that I, I know you quite intimately, actually, in many ways. And I just wanted to check in with you uh, at the moment to see how are you during these uh, very strange times that we're going through?
0: Well, it's, you're right, Jack. There are unprecedented times, really, and I, I'm doing well. Um, I'm trying to see the opportunities and things and uh, taking an advantage of the time just to recalibrate, to readjust, and even just to renew and replenish myself. So I'm doing well, concerned for other people and making the best of the situation.
1: Yeah, so I think I'm in a similar position to you in that I'm very much, you go through that adjustment period like any time where there's restriction imposed in... It, or you have certain elements of freedoms lost in your life that you're kind of, you grieve or you go through the adjustment period, whatever whatever level that's on um, for, for what you've lost a little bit. But then you start to come to some sort of a new normal. And uh, I wonder how are you spending your time? Uh, you said you're finding the opportunities in this. How are you spending your time and what are you focusing on at the moment?
0: Well, I'm really focusing on family and connecting to people, Jack. I'm doing a bit more reading than a chance to kind of uh, catch up on some reading that I've been putting on the long finger. And I've had a chance to connect to people all over the world, which I probably would not have got time to or around to if I hadn't. And even just having conversations with people in my own family have been a blessing, really. And I'm kind of consciously... Looking for the good in the situation, Jack. You know, you're in charge of how much space the thought takes up in your life. And uh, I'm kind of choosing, I think the choices that we make in these days are going to actually be very important. What we choose to focus our attention on. So I'm kind of consciously choosing the positives in this. Uh, Mindful of the downsides as well. I mean, not being able to be in close physical proximity with my mum who lives literally 100 metres away is very challenging. Mm -hmm but um, trying to find the good is is really really important in the circumstances that we find ourselves in
1: yeah i couldn't agree more there is that important like acknowledgement side of the downside and the real trauma and suffering that is going on within ireland and around the world for so many people but there are equal and opposite upsides if we go looking for them as well and we can create those in our days so i just on that note even i have definitely found myself having just so much more connection with friends who are living abroad and they have more time to ke- check in and connect i have more time and i think it really puts everything in perspective when when our collective health is possibly put in jeopardy we realize just how much we have to be grateful for And I know that gratitude is something that you speak massively about and you're a huge advocate of. Why is it so important in our lives?
0: That's a great question, Jack. Well, I think, you know, finding gratitude in your life story is, well, I think it's one of the single biggest things I know to actually increase your happiness. I mean, appreciating all that you survived. I mean, the small, the medium, the monumental, you know, and it's science-based. Jack, you know, the fact of having gratitude in your life and lowering the threshold of what you're grateful for. I mean, you mentioned two things there that I'm extremely grateful for. The time, which is one of the most important things we have in our life, 86,400 seconds a day. You know, and rather than engaging in trivial pursuits, I'm actually getting a chance to spend time developing myself, developing relationships in my life. And the other one there, Jack, you mentioned is perspective. I mean, what's important and what's not important? And I find sometimes we get involved in things that aren't important with people who are important. This gives us a chance to actually go back to our values. What's really important in our life and what do we want to take out of this that can make us better on the other side of this experience? Because we will get to the other side of this, Jack. But what kind of shape we're in at the other side of this is the important question.
1: Yeah, I, I really agree. I recorded uh solo podcast yesterday actually. And the title of it is Dead Time or Alive Time. What can yeah. coronavirus teach you? Because it's so easy for us to feel that this time is is lost. It's lost time and yeah. maybe to go into a kind of a slump. But there's the whole other flip of that where this can become an opportunity for for growth as you said and i know myself you mentioned that you're catching up on some reading that that had been maybe on the long finger and and my book list that was beside my bed uh the stack of books is getting smaller by the day and it's a huge upside and mm. um i've the pen and the highlighter out and just actively learning and um there's there's so many different upsides in terms of my fitness and things like that, that I'm getting to spend more time on. So those things are there. And I know that you talk about this whole idea of lowering the bar of what you're grateful for, because so much magic is all around us when when we start to to do that.
0: It's completely right, Jack. I'm, I'm going to throw a question at you, Jack, that I call a thunk a question to make your brain hurt and once you wrap your head around it it's actually quite an interesting one so you're ready for this one let's go what hasn't happened to you that you didn't w- what hasn't happened to you that you didn't want to have happened to you that you haven't
1: celebrated yet okay what hasn't happened to me that you didn't want to have happened to you okay so it hasn't happened and i didn't want it to happen that you haven't celebrated. So these are the negative things that could possibly have happened to me over time. Exactly, Jack. And you're a great example of a fantastic
0: positive attitude and disposition because a calamitous event happened to you. And rather than dwelling on that, you've consciously turned to the positive in in your life. And I think so many of us dwell on the 10% of things that go wrong. But we don't actually celebrate all of the things that might have befallen us that haven't. So it's actually, again, when you think about it, there's so many things that have passed us by Jack, and that we actually haven't said, "Well, thank God I can get up." and I, can. I remember in your TED Talk, which was so profound, you talked about the breath, you know, having to relearn how to breathe. I mean, if you let that sink in for a second for people listening to us, you know, we take 20,000 breaths a day. How many of them do we take consciously? Imagine waking mm-hmm. up like you did, having to struggle for a breath. So there's so many things that we that haven't happened to us that we haven't actually been grateful for or celebrated. So life is a gift, Jack. And once you look at it from a different lens, when you change the viewing, you change the doing. I think it can uh, really bring a lot of happiness into your life.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it, it is perspective shapes our reality. And I love that you brought it back to the idea of the breath there. Um so much attention goes on the first breath we take and the last breath we take in our lives. And people don't often consider how they are breathing in between. Um, and I know for me that pursuing a, a practice of mindfulness and building in meditation has, has really been profound for me in terms of just grounding me in How simple things can be and how much good we have around us and helping me to see things more objectively, to take me out of the negativity bias that we're all programmed with that helped us survive on the savannas hundreds of thousands of years ago, but maybe don't serve us as as well now. now. Well, you know, Jack, some of of the
0: greatest gifts are hidden in plain sight, and the breath is one of them. I mean, I doubt if any of our listeners, including yourself and myself, when we went to bed last night, said, God, I I hope I remember to breathe. We we just take it for granted that we can breathe. And yet, without it, we don't have life. And you, you mentioned something there, Jack. I mean, I think taking a pause when you're living your life on fast forward is really important. And all a pause is, is a kind of a conscious break to gather yourself. And I think when we are mindful we're literally gathering ourselves. It's it's actually stewardship. Uh, it's never a waste of time. It's actually getting out of our head and getting where our feet are, getting into our lives really. And I think we need to do that more more often. And this perp- this is a perfect opportunity to do just that to make to build in
1: mindful moments to each and every day. I I think that after this period passes, and you said look, it will pass and the world will be a different place afterwards. The question is, is will the people that inhabit it be different? And this is really an opportunity for people to reflect during this time as to the things that have been working well and the things that maybe haven't been working so well in their lives and maybe how can they map a trajectory that is more in alignment and take more actions that are lined up with their value systems and have built a greater sense of integrity in their lives. And these are all things that as uh, a counselor and a guidance counselor in school that, that you talk about, but that you also train in your well-being programs. And in front of me, I have just what is a uh, a masterpiece of, of a book. Uh, and I know you said it all came to you very quickly, but really it was a life's work. Um, which is your book ways to wellbeing. And I know you've just, um, published the international version and congratulations on that. But can you talk to me a little bit Thank about you, the, the work that you do? Because I, I just, I know how profound it is and People absolutely rave about you, um, and rightly so. Well, I'd say that there's, there's three questions, really, Jack, that
0: underpins the book. Yeah, and those three questions would be, who am I? W- why do I live and work the way I do? And probably the most important question of all, what might I become? And I, I suppose I'm concerned, uh, you know, in this present circumstance gives us a chance to be more focused on we than me. I think a sense of community, a sense of helping people. When you, it's no matter what you accomplish in life, it's enhanced if you're helping others along the way. And I think that sense of, of, of focus on community, Jack, would be really important for our mental health and well being. I, I have found in my work, Jack, as a guidance counselor, that a lot of people, young and old, are, are trapped in a trance of unworthiness. And the invisible toxic gas that they're breathing is self criticism. So I think actually one of the things we can do to build our resilience and our mental health is actually focusing on helping other people. And by helping other people, you're always helping yourself, Jack. So I'm, I suppose it's, you said it, we're all imperfect. You know, life breaks all of us, but some of us come back stronger in the broken places. Like there's power in vulnerability and, you know, shame is the swampland of the soul. So actually making the conscious decision, Jack, to be on good terms with yourself is probably my central message. You know, making that conscious decision to say, you know what, I'm not perfect, but I'm kind of perfect in my imperfections, that I, I make the decision to embrace all aspects of me as a person. We're just learning along the way. And um, I think that's the central part of my message. You can learn a lot from the successful lives of others. And you're first and foremost there, Jack. And, and by success, I like the definition of uh, a guy called John Wooden, that it's the peace of mind that comes from knowing. I've done the best I can with the ability that I have, and that's my definition of success. And it's the definition I would wish for each and every person who's listening to us here
1: today. That's that's really a beautiful turn of phrase, isn't it? I love that. You, um... but it's what I like about it, Jack.
0: Is it's democratic, Jack? It's it, that that's attainable by everybody. I mean, you know, you know. It, it, you mightn't be able to win the race, but it shouldn't stop you running as hard as you can. I mean, we all have different talents and, 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 and strengths in different ways, but doing the best we can is within our domain, within our sphere of influence. And I think that is is the ultimate piece of mind. To look back in a life well lived, saying, I gave it everything to... I love Emil Zola's quote, to live out loud, to give it everything you have.
1: Yeah, not to be unapologetic in the way that you express your life. And you... As you were speaking there a couple of moments ago, this um, story that I, uh, or it's an analogy really that I heard about um, the the Buddhist. Um, it's a, a story of, about a Buddhist uh, temple, and the area was being invaded by um, by outsiders, and they had this golden Buddha that they covered in clay so that it wouldn't be stolen and rampaged and and uh, destroyed. And subsequent to the um, period passing, years later, people realized as the muck started to be chipped away that underlying this was little glimmers of gold and this golden Buddha was revealed when they started to chip it all away. Mm. And I think that that's kind of the the story of a human life. It's this idea that you're born absolutely perfect and um, that you absolutely are enough. If you look at the way that any child is revered within a room, the joy and the presence and the understanding and all of the compassion that goes towards that child for just being there, for just being themselves. And then as life happens and societal norms mm. start to be implemented on us, and we start to pick up masks and different layers of baggage that maybe weigh us down, they serve us at one point, but maybe not later on. And we're still clinging on to that weight. And our job as well-functioning teenagers into adults and later into life is to begin, in my opinion, to start picking at the muck and the layers that are have built up over our lives and to start to let some of that go. And that can be a scary thing to do. It can leave us feeling a little bit naked. And when you embrace that discomfort, though, you you really do start to show more of more of yourself and and live out loud, like you just said there.
0: And interestingly, Jack, you mentioned in the word discomfort. And I, I always say this to young people, there is no growth without discomfort, Jack. You know, to embrace mm. those, I call them BMDs, those brief moments of discomfort. It's really important. And a, a second thing to add to what you're saying is, I, I call myself a possibilitarian. And I think it, we've never needed to be more, what I call strategically optimistic, that, things can change for the better, that tomorrow can be different from today. I mean, if you fill your head with positivity so that the negativity has to shout really hard to be heard. I think that's really important in the times we find ourselves, to kind of, uh, to believe in ourselves. And I always say that, you know, belief in yourself costs nothing. And every single person can afford it, Jack. You, you kind of owe it to yourself and to owe it to the people in your life to bring the best version of you as often as you can. Uh, in every circumstance that you face. I think that's your, your pro quo for being alive is to show up as the best version of you.
1: Yeah, well, we're, we're programmed to grow, aren't we? And, and as we do so, you would hope that that's what evolves because we see it. We see it all around when people aren't given the environments in which they're free to grow, they stagnate this sense of discontent that slowly starts to creep up inside them uh, becomes pervasive in their lives, and that that mental uh, disease turns into physical disease, and and things can spiral very quickly. And you talked there um, very briefly about something that you mentioned uh, in your what is just a wonderful TED talk. Um, I think nearly every line could be a quote on the wall, sort of a TED talk. Um, I, I love it. And you say that um, we talk to ourselves. And if you're telling yourself that you don't, you're talking to yourself. Mm. Um, but that the most important words that we say are the ones that we say to ourselves and believe.
0: Well, I, I you know, this is the question that I would put to people, Jack. How are your words to yourself making you feel? I mean, you 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 have a choice to listen to your inner critic or your inner coach. And it's amazing when I tell young people that they talk to themselves. I can see them looking back at me saying, how do you know that? And we all talk to ourselves. And I think it's important that we, you know, just we, we don't have to believe everything we think, Jack. That's really important fact, that you can actually choose to, to focus on the positive, to choose to, to nourish and nurture the positive thoughts in your head. I think that's really important. It's not, not something that people automatically know. Um, thoughts aren't facts. Uh, and I choose sometimes, I see a thought coming into my head uninvited, and I choose not to attach to it, Jack, because it's taking my energy and it's taking my power. So I let it go on its very way. I'm not going down that rabbit hole and I'll focus on something else. I mean, Professor Paul Dolan said, the secret to happiness is paying more attention to what makes you happy and less attention to what doesn't.
1: Pretty straightforward.
0: It is, Jack, but you mentioned it. I mean, we do get caught up in a lot of... We, we, we get, our brains will take us down so many rabbit holes and so many warrens that uh, it can sometimes work against us a little bit. So being aware of that, uh, is really important. I think that maybe is a key word, Jack. Being aware, awareness of, of our thoughts, to be a uh, dispassionate observer of our thoughts, and, and not to be judgmental about them, just to see them as as two electrical impulses. I mean, it's, if there was a way into my classroom, Jack, and there was graffiti on the whiteboard, I'd just rub it off. I wouldn't internalize it. I wouldn't define myself by it. I I, I get the tunes, but thoughts to 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 nurture and to develop and grow and to focus on, and what thoughts not to focus on that are going to disempower me, going to make me feel bad, feel lesser than.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think the period that we're going through now with people being restricted in their movement and so many of the things that people have attached to day-to-day that have maybe distracted them um, from from discomfort in different parts of their lives they're being left to reckon with those things and maybe they're starting to to have learnings about their lives and what we start to see gradually is that nothing outside of you will make you more enough than you already are as you say in that talk there's discomfort though in letting go of some of those things that maybe we don't have access to now whether it's the fact that you can't get the hair colored or you, you're, uh, you're not able to afford the fancy car anymore or whatever it is that mm. was the, the external badge of honor that mm. allowed you to show to others, this is who I am and, mm. and this is why I matter rather than I do these things because I value myself.
0: Well, you know what, Jack. One of the opportunities we've talked a lot about opportunities here. Um, I think that life is about connection, not comparison, and that comparison is the thief of joy. And one of the things about this pandemic is it's a great leveler. We're all in the same boat. There's people not getting their hair cut or their hair coloured. We're all in the same place, and that gives us a great opportunity to connect to each other. And and I'd like to also say, Jack, that physical distance while very important in the times we face ourselves in it doesn't mean emotional distance it doesn't mean you don't have to emotionally disconnect you don't, you have to it's very important that you emotionally reconnect with people maybe maybe reconnect with a friend that you've lost contact with over 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 time this is the perfect opportunity to reestablish good relationships and you never know the good that will happen on the other side of the next connection. So I would urge people to reach out to people like they never have before, to seize the moments. And you know what I'm seeing too, Jack, every day I look at the the, the television or whatever, you know, we often think that leadership is about, you know, Boris Johnson or the Donald Trumps of the world. I think leadership is about everyday actions that lift each other up. I mean, you're taking a leadership role with this podcast. There's people delivering groceries to the vulnerable, to the elderly. There's people starting kindness movements. That's all leadership. Leadership is those small little things you do on a daily basis. So there's a huge potential here, Jack, for young people particularly to develop their leadership capacity, to be proactive, not to spend all of their time on the weapons of mass distraction in social media, et cetera, to actually use it for, for good, to say, who could, who could benefit from a phone call right now? It could be a parent, it could be a grandparent, or somebody lonely up the road, a neighbor you don't know particularly well, who would really benefit from a call. I would urge people, Jack, to make that call.
1: yeah i I've read a, a book called uh, by Robin Sharma called "The Leader who Had no Title," and I think it's an amazing philosophy for us to adopt in our own lives because leadership looks different in different areas at different times in different contexts and everybody does it slightly differently and the idea that you have to have a title to step into that role I think is is being really challenged at the moment because like you said we're seeing it in all kinds of different ways people stepping up to the mantle and um, creating initiatives filling the gaps and um, connecting with people and helping the vulnerable, you know, these are all simple ways, but we lead in our own lives. If we choose to, we can lead within our family units. If we choose to, we can lead amongst our friends and communities and the knock on effect just grows and grows and grows. And when more people are doing that, we are, we are veering towards the way of the proactive of the compassionate of of the give it a go and see how it works out. Um, And all of these things are just so valuable in terms of human development and, and us moving in the right direction and coming out on the right side of all of this.
0: Well, you said something very important, Jack, there that, you know, one of the most important areas you can show leadership is in your own life. And that is so important. I mean, you're writing the script of your life. And if you're not writing the script of your life, somebody else is. So it's very important that you take charge of of your story, uh, of your life. And this is a chapter in it. And I sometimes ask people, Jack, if they could choose a superpower, if you could wake up with one quality attribute or characteristic, what would it be? And often people will say, fly, which would have been my favorite, or be able to teleport or to stop time but a 14 year old girl came up with the one that stuck with me and resonated the most jack she said if i could have a superpower i would have the ability to change people's minds for their own benefit and you know a lot of people don't wow. see themselves as leaders a lot of people see themselves as powerless a lot of people write themselves off jack and if, if i could have one superpower i think i'd choose that one but to help people believe in themselves to actually realize you know what i don't have to just passively be a a participant in my life or a spectator, I can actually take charge and ownership of the moments in my life and actually make it a better one and that would be my wish for everyone that they lead their own lives uh, take leadership uh, would be would be a great gift that would be make it all better on the other side of this collective experience we 're facing
1: What an insightful young lady i actually it always blows me away just the insights that young people have when when I speak in schools and do workshops in schools, they're just full to the brim of really thoughtful things that maybe people would just not expect of people of their age. Young people are, are incredible. And um, so I'm delighted that you that you shared that. And that has been your life's work is preparing these wonderful young people the the leaders of the future the leaders that we're seeing emerge now preparing them for life after school and you're trying to teach them the skill sets of and I love this turn of phrase that you say for you you're asked the question are we preparing people for a life of tests or the tests of life And really what you're all about is teaching people to manage in the tests of life. And you talk about um, how are we setting ourselves up? Do we put our energy on values over valuables, integrity over income, self-worth over network and emotional intelligence over IQ? So you might expand on that a little bit. And I know there's a lot there, John, but... I'm fascinated by the work that you do, and and it's very profound. And and now more than ever, I think is a time for us to connect with some of those kind of trains of thought.
0: Thank you, Jack. Well, I, I suppose we there, there's a space that's been created, Jack, to kind of get us to rethink education and what school is all about, and to maybe wonder our school system is perfectly designed for a world that doesn't exist anymore. And some people might think talking about emotional intelligence is all when and it woolly. It's all about points. But I spend a lot of time talking to employers, Jack. And what they're all telling me is that, you know, your academic qualifications will get you to the interview, but it's your emotional intelligence uh, will get you hired. So your EQ, your EQ will be more important than, than your IQ. That it's about building good relationships, having a good relationship with yourself. One employer Put it really well to me. He said, if you're not fired with enthusiasm, I'll fire you with enthusiasm. And I think having a good attitude to yourself, to other people, being able to problem solve, creativity, working as part of a team, knowing your strengths, knowing your areas for development. In the work, you know, with AI changing the work landscape, this has never been more practical, Jack. So upscaling strategically these skills rather than having them kind of caught accidentally. I think it's the next rampart that's worth fighting for for our young people. Because if a student goes out of our schools with 600 points in the NEVA certificate with an inability to communicate, I don't think we're serving him or her. So it's really important that we... I think the soft skills are not so soft. And all of the research, all of the data coming out, Jack, supports that. And I think this gives us a space to, I suppose, recalibrate, to reflect on what are the skills for the 21st century that will serve our young people in a world that's been created on a daily basis? We don't know. You know, when a young person is 17, Jack, says to me, I'm scared, sir. I don't know what I want to do uh, in in the future. Or I don't know what, I, what I'm going to do. How could you possibly, Jack? Because most of the jobs in 10 years probably haven't been invented yet. The, the data is if you have a five-year-old sister or, or young person 68% of the jobs that'll be available to them haven't been invented yet. So I think that's the landscape, but being prepared for it is being on good terms with yourself, upskilling yourself, your awareness of your emotions, your ability to regulate it. And I think another critical one, Jack, is empathy, empathizing with other people. And that, I think it's a critical component of emotional intelligence, Having we, having the, making the conscious decision to try and understand how somebody else might be feeling is a it, is it really important one in the world of social media that disconnects us from our body language.
1: Mm. Yeah, there's just so much there uh, that, that I agree with. And what I would like to ask you as a follow on from that is you say that you speak to a lot of employers and I know that you speak to a lot of um, uh, businesses and, and things like that how do you go about training some of these skill sets to adults? Because so many adults find themselves down the line in, in their careers. And these are skills that I I think are the bread and butter of life that we just mm. maybe weren't taught. And I know you're coming to fill that that void, but like Some of the books that I'm I'm reading, I I close the last page and I say, Why did I not learn that in school? You know, and it's Mm. all of the skill Mm. sets that you're talking about. It's about emotional intelligence, it's about communication, it's about how we relate with ourselves, it's about how we set meaningful aligned goals with ourselves it's about how how can we be resilient and what does that even mean and these are all the things that you train how do you go about training that with with people within companies or or who are more mature in age let's say
0: It's a really great question, Jack. I think maybe the starting point is explaining to somebody how their brain works. I think that's a really good starting point. It's a bit like popping the hood open on on your car. You might be a mechanic, but as long as you know where the oil goes and the water goes, you have an understanding of the dashboard of your brain, how it works sometimes in your favor and against you. And I use the three-part model and the emotional part of the brain and how how the deeper part of you is underground, as it were, under the hood of the bonnet. So having an understanding of that the stress response, Jack, how, and you mentioned it very early in our conversation that a lot of our programming is still back in the Savannah plain 5,000 years ago where tigers roamed. And most people don't realize that. And whilst there's no kind of uh, tigers roaming the streets of Newbridge, and not that I know of at least, that, that threat or fight or flight now can be an email from work or it could be a, convers- a, a comment that's been put on, on Facebook or Snapchat or, or whatever. So to understand or have an awareness of how our brain works is the first thing. Managing our stress response would be a second thing. How to actually get in control of, of our emotional landscape. And the third one, I think is a really important one, Jack, is listening. Just the power of listening, you, you know, and, and listening to understand rather than to reply. is one of the most powerful lessons that I ever learned. I think it was, it was Stephen Covey's work. Really, really transformative that, you know, we sometimes, die, we, we, we kind of uh, prescribe sometimes before we diagnose. And uh, the power of listening, Jack, is a really important skill to be strategically taught to, to young people.
1: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more about that listening piece. I first really experienced that when I trained as a coach. And so much of coaching is about creating that space of actually actively listening and there's, there's different levels of thinking. And as you rightly said, think or, or listening, excuse me, of listening to respond or to react rather than to understand. And um, what people will come out with when you create a space where you're listening for understanding is remarkable. People show themselves rather than show a programmed response that society tells them is deemed acceptable for for that kind of a question. When you truly create that space to listen, uh, non-judgmentally, so much shifts.
0: Well, somebody said, and I'm paraphrasing probably wrongly here, Jack, that the biggest misconception about communication is the illusion that it's taken place at all. And there's so many, you know, we can come away from a conversation having completely different accounts of what actually happened. And I I love, I I teach my young people a a little technique I call a takeaway technique. You know, when you're ordering a takeout, the first thing the person does is repeats your order to you to make sure that you've got it right. And I think it's a very simple little technique that just to actually check in with the other person to see if what they have said is what you've heard. We assume that what they have said, we've interpreted exactly as they intended. But uh, when you assume, Jack, you make an ass out of me and an ass out of you.
1: <laughs> this uh, this falls back into the idea that we are meaning-making machines and depending on our yeah. internal architecture of beliefs and value systems and, and social constructs and so on, which are different for every individual, uh, we each attach different meaning and understanding to... What might initially present as the same information, and so one hundred percent in in any interaction between two people, the the meaning and understanding that might be taken away is is entirely different. So that idea of of a check in or a takeaway um, is is a very simple but effective one.
0: I was going to give you an example, Jack, before the break. Um, a sixth year came into me and he said, "Look, at sir." I'm under stress with the leaving certificate and and my girlfriend's in transition year and she has more time to meet than I And I I really need to have a conversation with her about maybe dialing down how often we meet. And um, yeah, the following day, he would put it into practice. He said, look at Mary, we can't meet as often because of the leaving certificate. And she nodded her head and no problem. He got a phone call a half an hour later, Jack, and uh, it was her best friend saying, that was, how dare you break up with Mary? He said, what do you mean break up with Mary? I just wanted to dial it down a little bit, but i I love her debates. bits, but all Mary heard was we're breaking up. He never said mm. it, but she had come away from the conversation with a very different interpretation, as you said, a very different meaning from that conversation. so to check in with people, maybe to say well, what have you what have you heard me say there? It is really important to make sure you're on the same level playing pitch if 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 possible
1: absolutely i I couldn't agree more with that now. A lot of your time has been shifted towards uh, training and maybe time is the wrong thing, but attention um, is been shifted towards training of other um, teachers around the country and globally. And I know that well-being has become a big buzzword over the last number of years, but the Structured, uh, well thought through, formulaic, and evidence based teaching of it is something that maybe has been lacking. And you've come in and very much filled that space. What has been your experience of training um, other teachers and professionals in this area? And what's the appetite like for it at the moment?
0: It's a really, really great question, Jack, because it's something that's one of the great gifts that this whole work that I'm engaged in gave me is that almost to a person, each and every colleague came ostensibly for the betterment of the young people. But they left the training and said, you know what, I really needed that for me. And that's the thing about it, that no one is an expert in somebody else's life, Jack. And that's what the training kind of showed, that you're kind of surrendering that one-up relationship. And you mentioned that there earlier, you know, the wisdom of young people doesn't come with chronology. Every young person has something to teach you. A matter of fact, every person in life has something to teach you. So I think, my, I hope my training is about helping people to reconnect with what's important. You know, my favorite definition of education, Jack, as you know, is it's a conversation between one generation and another about what's important, you know. And one deputy principal came to my training, Jack, and said, you know what? I feel very guilty. I shouldn't be here. I've got so many things to do. And you could see the stress on her face. And I said, you know what? You're in the right place because this is about you. And here's the thing, Jack, that I hope people come to training and leave with. When you're a caregiver, it's very, very important that you give to yourself. That self-care is not selfish. It's simply stewardship. That it's counterintuitive to caregivers. But, you know, on a plane, you're told to put the mask on yourself first. So it's really important that we nourish ourselves uh, firstly and then we're in a better place. It's an investment in our capacity to help other people. So while I was conscious of being implicit, I was delighted it was explicit when people come up to me after training said, you know what? I didn't realize how much I personally would get out of this. And that really was very satisfying to me, Jack, that it was about building up your own capacity, your own well-being. You know, on your to-do list, Jack, quite often your own well-being is at the bottom of it. You know, so and maybe to have a to-be list rather than a to-do list. So it gives people. All I do is create a space for people to think about what's important, maybe to connect to themselves in a way they haven't for some time.
1: Yeah, and it's it's so much of what I'm about as well. And I, I just think it's it's fantastic and it's so needed. Um, I, I, I wouldn't ever assume, but I think people crave for those opportunities to step out of the fast-paced world and into their lives and to actually step back into themselves as well and, and to check in and see, well, what is working, what's not working, is what I'm doing and how I'm conducting myself and where my time, energy, money, uh, attention is, is this serving me or is there a better way that I can go about doing things? And spaces like you create allow those kind of relationships with the individual self to evolve. And in doing so, that person evolves for everybody around them. So it's, it's, not, it's not light work, you know? Well, you know, Jack,
0: one of the things too, we, we mentioned it in this conversation, but it's about authentic communication. You know, quite often you meet somebody, and, and you've also mentioned it earlier on in this podcast, but we're all actors. You know, I, I know a parent asked the child once, What do you want to be when you grow up? And the child said, I want to be an actor. And the parent said, Well, you can't do both. But I I think we're we're all actors, Jack. And when somebody says somebody says to us, How are you? And we say, I'm grand, but grand can mean a multitude, Jack, and, and grand can hide the multitude. So giving the people the chance to actually Really communicate about what's really important. I think is a gift because a lot of our a lot of our conversations, Jack, are transactional. They're not transformative. And schools are very busy places. And there used to be a time you could go into a staff room and just breathe, just to kind of uh, take a breath to relax. Now it's got so busy, Jack, that people are are, are going into a staff room and their conversations are again transactional rather than just sitting down and having an opportunity over a cup of tea to say to somebody, how are you? Just to connect to people. You know, we're human beings, Jack. We're not human doings. But life has got very, very busy. And maybe the gift, just maybe the gift in this whole pandemic is the chance to slow down, to actually reconnect with the human being part of us rather than the human doing.
1: Amen. Absolutely. And in that in that act of slowing down, you actually begin to live your life. It's um, And interestingly, so, Jack,
0: I think... It, it,
1: no, please and go ahead. slowing
0: down, Jack, it actually helps you speed up. In, in slowing down, it actually paradoxically helps you speed up, you know, by actually, as, as Stephen Covey has the phrase, sharpening the saw. And really what we're all doing now is we're in a moment of collectively sharpening the saw Taking a break, and it's not, it's not a waste of time, Jack. It's actually, a, it, it's actually a time of renewal, um, just to kind of uh, reimagine. I think Walt Disney had a lovely term, imagineering. Well, what I'm trying to do now is to imagine the next phase, uh, so I'm in a process of imagineering.
1: Mm. What is really important to me is integrity, and you live this. You live everything that you talk about, and I know. Um, as a family, you're going through a challenging time at the moment. Um, and and despite that, on the phone, you're you're honest about it. Before we started, um, uh, there's someone in your family who's unwell at the moment, and um, that's a real struggle. But you're very open and honest about it, and you're finding within it, I suppose, the sparks of magic and the, the things to be grateful for. Um, so I just want to sort of commend you on that because it's easy to talk the talk, but it's often harder to walk the walk. And especially when your back is up against the wall and the going gets tough, we can revert to type. And I think you are reverting to type, which is... And in essence, that you've done the work and that you continue to do the work every day because these kind of practices, you learn once and you implement forever. Um, there are things that need to be done every day. There are practices that you need yeah. to keep up.
0: Thank you, Jack. And I, I, I couldn't agree with you more about integrity. I mean, I think it was Gandhi that said, integrity is what is is when what you say, what you think and what you do are in alignment. And I suppose I always have prided myself that this, the one string to my bow is that I I, I do practice what I preach. I try to be authentic. And teachers particularly and students are very discerning uh, audiences and they can see a disconnect between what you say and what you do in a heartbeat. And uh, you are right, Jack, I'm going through challenging circumstances with uh, uh, my wife who is ill at the moment in hospital and uh, I'd appreciate your prayer and the prayers of everyone listening. But I'm not alone, Jack. A lot of people are going through trying times. But, you know, resilience is about putting one foot in front of the other, being positive, keeping the hope on the bouts of doubt. And that is the only show in town, Jack. And that's a choice. Um, Some people's personality might be more inclined to, to others to be optimistic, but we can all learn to grow that optimistic muscle to entertain the possibility that things can get better to entertain the possibility that there's nothing wrong with us that what is right with us can't fix
1: i love that there's nothing wrong with us that what's right with us can't fix john we we all get limited time on this earth and none of us know when that time is up when uh, whenever that time comes how would you like to be remembered what is the mark that you would like to have left on people
0: Oh, it's a great question, Jack. I, I suppose that I made a difference that I made that I, I helped people believe in themselves do the best they could with the ability they had. Um, and I hope that they would say he cared. I think that above all as a teacher, if I met a student of mine in 15 years' time and you know they will be talking about me, uh, they, I, I've never met a student that doesn't remember very very vividly the good teachers in their life and they're not so good. But I would hope that at the end of my life, the people who knew me would say, you know what, he cared and he walked the talk.
1: I think think people are saying that already. So um, John Doran, thank you very much for your time. It was an absolute pleasure to chat to you.
0: Well Jack you're one of my heroes Jack and and you walk the talk and so to have this chance to speak with you and to connect with you has been a privilege Jack and I'm very grateful to you for it.
1: We'll do it again soon. Cheers John. If something in this podcast has resonated with you I'd really appreciate if you could give it a share tag me in post or in the story on instagram facebook wherever you're posting and let us know what resonated maybe what was the insight that you got that you're going to apply to your own life thanks again for tuning in until next time stay well stay curious cheers